Hello, and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast that reveals everything you ever wanted to know about interiors, and then, of course, explains how to make it all work for you in your own home. And thank you, as ever, to DFS for sponsoring this podcast. We've been working with DFS over the last year and have been amazed to discover that one in four sofas bought in the UK is from DFS. So this time we're at Kate's house recording in her cosy library. And I should actually just apologise and say if you can hear noises off of um, chainsaws, that's because they're pollarding the trees in the street outside. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. That constant drum With hum. perfect timing. There's been no one here for weeks. I love coming up to the city. It's so tranquil. <laughs> anyway, episode three, which means incredibly we are halfway through this series already. So if you are enjoying the podcast, we would really be incredibly incredibly grateful if you could pull out your phone you could even do it right now and leave us a glowing review on apple podcasts or itunes because that will genuinely make it all the more likely that we'll be able to make a third series which of course we just love to do because we haven't even begun to run out of stuff to talk about yet on which note kate what are we tackling today? On a packed schedule today, Sophie. We are going to talk about, we've both been to Paris, to the trade show Maison and Objet. So we're going to talk about what we saw there. Obviously a bit of trends and colours and things. Then small space living, which is relevant to so many of us, even a small room in a big house or small houses. Finally, the dressing room, which you may think doesn't apply to everyone and you know very few people have dressing rooms as such but there are valuable pointers to be made about storage and clothes storage and I'd quite like to design my fantasy dressing room always fun <laughs> always fun and then of course we'll be having a few design crimes at the end yeah you better behave yourself this week Kate I think you caused quite an upset with the last episode <laughs> with the typography and I'd just like to report actually just having arrived in Kate's house this morning there's some typography Kate in your house. Yeah, I've always just thought it was swearing. But I suppose if you could <laughs> yeah. rebrand it as typography, if you like. So you're allowed typography art. Printed swearing is that typography. Right. Discuss. And while I was up there having a poke around and checking out your typography, I have to ask what is happening with that guest bedroom of yours? Because I saw on Instagram the other day, you said you're going to paint the ceiling gold and I, I nearly am. passed out. I know. I'm What's so that? excited. Have you just come across all kind of regal and kind of like That's queen bee? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be illusions of grandeur. Room. It's my throne room. Call me Victoria Beckham. Do you want to come up and oh, see? Oh, yeah, come on. Let's I'll talk you out. through what's going to happen. Right. So, actually, I'm going to get you to lead the way, Sophie, because oh, you wow. know the way up the stairs. Actually, although, can we see you? Because your dress completely <laughs> matches my stairs. I know. I can't so, I uh, you're camouflaged that. as you go I'm up. I'm wearing bright plum coloured tights and a purple dress, and I'm walking on a polka top purple stair run, and my eyes are going a bit squiffy. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Like pattern on pattern. And to the okay. right. To the right. Oh, I love it. So this is your archetypal junk room. Ironing board, sofa bed. <laughs> spare room. Boxes spare room, darling. Of stuff, laundry. Dry laundry. So this room belonged to my now 17-year-old. And when we moved in, he was in here for eight years. He was allowed to do what he wanted to do in here within reason. And he wanted to be allowed to decorate it in his own style. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. So he was absolutely determined to have a black carpet, which he promised faithfully to Hoover every week. Clearly that never happened. <laughs> but I haven't known what to do with it because the black carpet. You're in that very common dilemma of having to work around things you already own, yeah. gray sofa, black carpet. And it's 
completely stilted you creatively because it probably isn't what you choose. But are you not wanting to get rid of it? Well, we are actually going to get rid of the black carpet. The carpet's going to be very pale because the teenager doesn't come in here anymore. And it's going to be a sort of burgundy colour. Calcipri, that's not a colour you want. (laughs) Well, I tell you why. I tell you why. Because as you come up the stairs, you will have noticed you can sort of see into the room a bit as you go past. And you like that connection to the Well, I just didn't want something that completely jarred. So there'll be burgundy up to a dado rail, which is sort of halfway, isn't it? Okay. And then between the dado rail and the picture rail, I'm going for pale pink, which will be the same pale pink as we used in the bedroom, right. thread needle, because yes. mm, got some left over. Okay. Very thrifty. <laughs> um, and then there was a dilemma with the ceiling, which I was initially going to do. Not white. No. Oh. I was toying with the idea of either that sort of ochre yellow colour that's all over the place at the moment or a burnt orange. Wow. Strong. And I thought that would be amazing. Well, because your advice a couple of episodes ago was do something strong in the spare room because you're not in there very Absolutely. often. Absolutely. And then I thought gold. Oh my goodness. I know. And Mylands do a metallic gold paint. So I spoke to them about it and they've given some instructions as to how you do it. But then, of course, I had to get it past the mad husband. Oh, what did he say? Well, we do have this marital veto. Do you have the marital veto? Yeah, I, I, I can imagine a gold ceiling getting vetoed in my Yeah, and it's instant. Contract. Once you've raised the marital veto, there's no coming back. Right, it happened it? once with gold grout. Never been allowed to talk oh, he about did you it a again. There. Well, I think perhaps... <laughs> Let's not give him too much credit. <laughs> Anyhow, so I had to try and I talked him into not having a white ceiling, but then mm. I, you know, it's quite a leap from a pale yellow to gold. So I unloaded the dishwasher, something I don't do very often. I made the bed, pretty bad at that. I did all those good okay, things and okay. then I sat him down and I said, now, about that room that you really don't go in very often at all, never, because actually you're not hanging the laundry in what is now the laundry room. We're going to paint it gold. All right. And what did he say? I, and then I said, I'm going to a meeting. And I left him there slightly reeling. Um, and, and when I returned, he, he was on board. He'd had a little word with himself, clearly. I mean, I think it's a lovely idea and it'll reflect the light down. Yeah. It sounds really fun. I mean, my only word of warning is sometimes those metallic paints, they just look like shiny poo, actually. Shiny nice. brown. Oh, good. Oh, well, we'll bear that in mind <laughs> Don't then. want to pop your bubble. But well, it might, do you think it's just going to look like brown? Well, I sometimes think when I want gold, I just use a wallpaper that is like a gold... Wallpaper mm. or foil, and you can get a level of distress well, with that. Well, see be really that there? Shiny. Yeah, that'll be a tin of gold paint. Oh, you've already got so, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's going to be like great. That. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go and talk about Maison and Oche now? <laughs> so. On with the rest of the show. We're back downstairs. I'm in my comfy armchair. We're going to talk about Maison and Objet and all the trends and what we saw at this giant mega trade show, which is essentially based in Paris. It's very much a European show, isn't it, Kate? Well, it's one of those seasonal. It's like they roll on. They'll be in Milan in April and they come to London. It's where the company's brands show off their new collections. It's like Fashion Week for furniture, basically. And so all the small traders or big traders will go and buy what they want to sell onto the U. So that's where they're looking for inspiration. And that's 
I guess why when you suddenly start to see the same things and colours in the shops, it's because the suppliers have all been to the same shows and that's what they're seeing. So they're bringing it back to us. And it's exciting for people like us to go there because we get a bit of an insight of what's coming up, don't we? We get a little sneaky preview. Did you see many gold ceilings then? Oh, the place was littered with them. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing but. Actually, I should say the other way. No gold ceilings because I'm so ahead of the curve. That's what it is. Next year. There'll be all gold ceilings. I tell you what, though, I did see a lot of gold and a lot of shiny gold as well. There's quite a lot of bling still happening in interiors. I was seeing velvet. Obviously, we talked about that at the top of the first series being a big trend still everywhere. But I think it's part of this very luxe look. That's shiny gold, fringing, velvet. All of that and very rich, warm colours. Having said that, an interesting point to make on trends, because obviously we're always saying you should only follow them if you like them, but then on the flip side of that, if that's all anybody's selling, that's all you can buy. I travelled over to Paris with an interior stylist called Hannah Franklin, and she said to me, she said, oh, I think the colour that's coming, seeing loads of it, she said, is baby blue. And I said, oh, don't be ridiculous. I haven't seen any baby blue. At which point, I am not kidding, I say flew to Paris, we were actually on the Eurostar train. <laughs> uh, a woman woman walked past us in a baby blue coat. Mm-hmm. We then got off the train and we're in the station. And bear in mind, you know, this is a three-day show. Almost everybody in the Eurostar is going in that direction at this time. Uh, and we saw lots of people wearing baby blue. So I did suddenly, because Hannah had flagged it to me, I started looking for baby blue. And it was interesting, once you start to look for it, how much I noticed. And not so much in the show, but in what people were wearing. And we all know, you know, where the catwalk leads, the cushions will mm. follow. I didn't see much baby blue in terms of the show, in terms of a, of strong colour trends. Still a lot of pink around, isn't there? That pink, uh, yeah. But I yeah. think, again, it's now become the new sort of classic neutral. There was masses of it. Masses of pink. But also I noticed it going towards more of a peachy It's definitely warming colour. up terracotta. Mm. And then you get into that sort of burnt orange, burgundy. Yeah, all the and, spicy colours we've talked about in previous episodes. And sludgy greens as well. And I think there was a, a press release that went out at the end of last year that searches for sage green on Pinterest have gone up by 600% yeah. or something. And there was a lot of that sagey green. You know, I've just painted my of, bathroom dark green. There was a lot of greenery, loads yeah. of still living walls and botanicals and jungle prints. I'm relabeling that jungle chintz. Is like I'm, it? Yeah, well, I'm seeing the prints getting more hectic, more maximalist, more kind of jungly and exotic. And actually, Moy, the Dutch brand, have done a collaboration with Arte Wallpapers and created this absolutely insane, exotic, jungly printed wallpaper but with lots of extinct animals poking out of the foliage it's absolutely bonkers you see that's really cool although my reaction to that and I'm imagining perhaps quite a lot of listeners as well is you know that's fabulous but am I going to get bored with it I mean great for a downstairs loo that's where you can really go over the top because it's presumably quite a small space so you're not in there for that long. You don't have to have too much of it. I'm not sure I'd want that over my bedroom. No, it's definitely on the extreme end of design, but it's also been extrapolated out in everything. There's loads of rattan, bamboo. Oh, that lots was of those. all over it was the place. everywhere, yeah. wasn't it? With lots, but being put against green walls yeah. and green textiles. And lots and lots of curves. I think I saw at the HK Ooh, Living Stand, yeah. rattan uh, cupboards with very much curved doors on them. It's like this them. lozenge shape. Yes, Everybody's stand seemed to have a curved sofa on it. 
that seemed to be a big thing as well. The Jonathan Adler stand had very curved had sofas sofa, on it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'd love a curved, a curved sofa. sofa, but that's that's quite difficult. I mean, a friend of mine wanted a curved sofa, I think three years ago, and asked me to help her find one, and we couldn't find one for less than £10,000. Yeah, yeah. Now you can find them for three, which is still quite a lot of money for a sofa, but it's much less than it was. But I mean, I couldn't have a curved sofa in my narrow Victorian house. It might It'd be perfect where your one. chaise is, actually. You'd be surprised. They can work really nice in small spaces yeah I think it, can, really it, it looks really nice doesn't it because yeah. rooms are so angular with so many straight lines that actually sticking a curve in is a really nice idea yeah yeah so that was really interesting I tell you the other big thing I saw a lot of I saw a lot of cream and you oh. said that you headed that up didn't you? I did right again with our trend report in series one you said cream was going to be yeah and big. it's really coming now and you know what it's replaced Grey. Yeah. There was no grey. There was anywhere. no. Well, I saw a bit of grey in garden furniture, uh, which had been styled with lots and lots and lots of plants. I mean, I'm assuming as it's a sort of all held in an airport hangar that they were all fake plants. But there was a bit of grey in outdoor furniture, but nothing no. indoors. And also, no one had styled anything with grey. Although, interestingly, I was talking to someone who's a big Scandi fan and her house is very much shades of grey. And she said to me, completely unprompted, oh, I didn't think Maison was that good this year. Uh, and then afterwards we were talking about it and she said, oh, maybe actually because there wasn't much grey and that was her style. So, so she I think wasn't we seeing do, a lot that she liked. We, she wasn't mm. seeing what she liked. So we do, we see what we want to see. But I think I was in firm living and their walls had all been painted in pale pink as a backdrop mm. and over in... Urkel was all pale yes, pink backdrop, the, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the walls sand. definitely weren't as neutral. That colour mm. pink has gone onto everybody's walls. But yes, there is lots of cream and there's going to be more of that. It'll have a new name. Don't quite know what it'll be yet. Yeah, well, you said milk. crew, didn't you? A crew. Yeah, it sounds crew. So, or yeah. milk or and these, And again, so because of... Uh, the cream. We're also seeing lots of very sort of boucle, bubbly. Oh, the texture textures. thing went mental. Mm. I went to Ligne Rose and they've got these kind of boucle sofas, be a nightmare for the cat. <laughs> um, but also lots of quilting. I mean, I don't know if that's what they're calling it now, but sewing shapes into the material so that you get, you know, it's a plain colour, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's kind of, of lifting a plain colour because it's got pleats or lozenge shapes sewn into it. One of the biggest trends I saw in terms of styling was this sort of 80s Memphis styling. I thought loads of them looked like, loads of the stands looked like my bedroom in the 1980s. I wasn't here in the 1980s. Um, Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> were you in some drunk You drunk know what it's ace? like if you can remember the 80s, you weren't there. Um, I had, because I'm so fantastically old, I left school in 1985 um, and I went travelling for quite a long time. So I lived in Paris and I spent a year living in Africa. That's I was in Nottingham briefly for university, but didn't stay long. Um, so well, the good news is you can live it, you can live through the whole thing again. for the first but time. But when yeah. I think of Memphis, so for those of you who don't know the Memphis group, it was an Italian design and architecture group founded by Ettore Sotsas in 1980. And it was all about designing postmodern furniture and fabrics and ceramic. Their work used a lot of plastic laminate, uh, bright colours and abstract asymmetrical shapes. And there's a great little story, actually, which is I'm, I'm taking from Wikipedia now, but it's well known that um, in 1980, 
Ettore Sotsas organised a meeting with designers and formed the collaborative a year later in 1981 and called it Memphis. The name was taken after the Bob Dylan song Stuck Inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues Again, which had been playing all through the evening during their meeting. So that's why it's called the Memphis style. Oh, I did not know that. It's great, isn't it? And they were inspired by art deco and pop art, 1950s yeah. kitsch. So and, again, it's like a fusion of lots yeah, of different styles. And futuristic themes. That was a big thing with the mixing of materials, so the plastic and the perspex and the metal and everything. Yeah, they're kind of very simplified shapes, aren't they? And you're getting lots of crescent shapes. But I also think of the patterns and prints with triangles overlapping, yeah, like crescents and half circles. And it is that very oversimplified pattern and they also shape, but put, it looks really graphic. It's very graphic. And they also put together things that hadn't been seen before. So they would have a, a wooden bookshelf with a bit of mirrored perspex down one side and then a black line. So it was very unusual and very striking. Yeah, I mean, I, in terms of the style for me and what I saw at Maison, I saw it as a very uncompromising look. It's not something you can dip your toe into. You almost need to buy into the whole mm. look. I mean, one sort of British design team that I think take quite a lot of influence from this aesthetic is the 2LG studio. Yeah. That very saturated colour palette, but also using the pastels as well, which I think is very 80s yes. thing. And again, using those lozenge shapes and those arches. I do know that Karl Lagerfeld is a massive collector. The original pieces now sell for thousands of pounds. And Karl Lagerfeld apparently has a flat full of it. Well, Karl Lagerfeld, it's all coming to a high street near you soon. <laughs> You're so not wrong. <laughs> but anyway, those are the kind of headlines yes. for me. And um, I sort of feel with Maison Objet, I don't need to go back now for a few years. I think that's the thing with interior trains. I don't imagine it's going to be vastly different this no. time next year, but it's good to dip into every now and then and see what's coming up. Some of it we already knew. Some of it was a bit of a surprise. Some of it's just a continuation. So the pink is carrying on. The mm. earthy tones are, are getting earthier. Uh, the, the curves have been around. coming, lots of greenery, more curves. I think Memphis perhaps is the new thing. And that's great if you don't like those kind of muted earthy tones in your house. You've got something, something else. more modern. Yeah, that you will now be available. I mean, this is what it's about, isn't it? As much as anything, it's what you can get in the shops. Yeah, but I think headline is there's still something for everybody. Yeah. And the key is that you work out what you love for your home. And don't feel pressured. And on that note, I might go and buy myself a baby blue coat. <laughs> <laughs> Still to come, making the best of a small space, and then we'll also be exploring how to plan a dressing room and, of course, those design crimes. So do keep in touch with those and any other comments. You'll find us on Instagram, where I'm mad about the house, and she's Sophie Robinson Interiors. So, Sophie, talk to me about your small spaces. Yeah, I'm glad we're bringing this one up because it is something that I get asked about loads over on my blog and on my Instagram account. People who either live in small spaces like flats and apartments or people who are struggling to make the most of a small kitchen or a small bedroom. So this is a great opportunity to throw some ideas around. But I think number one headline for me is if you've got a room that's small or if you live in a small flat... Listen to episode one of series two of the Great Indoors <laughs> podcast where we basically tell you if you've got too much stuff, you need to start chucking you stuff out. You have to be I disciplined. Think it's the first thing yeah. is quite often people are like, oh, how do I fit everything I've got into my small space? And sometimes I think you've just got to be realistic with the room 
Available. You've got to be disciplined and that comes in everything. I think there's quite a conversation going on at the moment about capsule wardrobes and people having fewer clothes, so it's buying less, it's all that sustainability. And people also who might read a paperback and then pass it on to the charity shop or something like that, the library. I don't know if libraries will take them, but you've got to be disciplined in how much stuff you've got. You just can't have it all. So yeah, so once you've you know, got everything down to the bare minimum. Um, it's and it's then, all sparking joy. And it's all sparking joy, of course. <laughs> Thank you, Mary Kondo. Um, you've then, I think, got to really tackle your storage. So having places where you can pack stuff away. So it's not just sitting on the worktops or on the bedroom chair or on the kitchen table. And I think when you've got a small space, it's quite a good idea to have a nice balance of concealed storage, that is with doors on, so you're not looking at the clutter. Yeah. And then places where you've got open storage, maybe like open shelves, because it can help make a room feel a bit airier than just loads and loads and loads of fitted cupboards. There's also tricks you can do if you can at all, actually coming back to the curved sofa from just now, It's that, I think if you were talking in a posh way, you would call it negative space. Um, Mm. But it's about trying to find something a little bit empty. So rather than pushing that chair right up against the wall, just pull it forward a little bit so it's not touching the wall because that then gives the impression that there's space for that chair around it and everything didn't have to be crammed against the edges. So it's slightly tricking things like that to make it look as if there's more space than there is. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. And something I hadn't thought about so much because I always get a bit fixated on trying to see as much floor space as possible. Which is really valid. I think having sofas and beds that sit up on legs so you can see a little bit under them just heightens the sense of space as well try and use quite fine lined furniture or glass or perspex furniture that that lets the eye travel through the coffee table for example helps create a heightened sense of space you know that whole sort of mid-century modern furniture style does suit small spaces quite well doesn't it because everything's a bit spindly and leggy although there is also the counter argument where some people would say if you're in a very small space it comes back to not having too much. Don't have lots of small furniture. Actually, maybe have one big sofa that you can all sit on or lie on and that doubles up as a spare bed. But then maybe don't have too much else in there so that you're not having lots of tiny chairs and tiny coffee tables. And it looks like, I remember my mother used to live in a very small house and I remember a school friend coming to stay once and she walked in and she said, oh, it's like a doll's house. (laughs) And we did have a small two-seater sofa and a little tiny armchair. My mother loves a small occasional side table. And there was, you know, it felt small. You felt like a big person Person walking into these rooms. I know exactly what you're saying about like one large statement piece rather than lots of little bits, but I tell you what, I do see people buying really chunky, lumpen, huge bits of furniture that are probably really comfortable, but they really choke up the room. Yeah. Sometimes they're a three-piece suite. And I think you're much better searching out pieces of furniture that have been designed specifically for small spaces. Like one of the ranges that really impressed me was the DFS capsule collection. Really nice mid-century modern styling, armchairs that aren't too deep or wide. So like you were saying about when you've got an armchair in a small space, giving it enough room to breathe, you know, a bit of negative space around it. You need to make sure that armchair isn't too big in the first place. And actually, because DFS are our sponsors, we know about this. They've designed a collection specifically for small space living because they 
commissioned some research which said that the average size of a family home in the UK has shrunk by two square metres over the past 10 years. Now, that's quite a lot for new build homes to be getting smaller by. So they've created this collection, which, as you say, has it's quite mid-century in feel. So it's quite clean and pared back, but it's got thin arms. And crucially, I think the legs come off for delivery and the arms come off. So you can get it into that small space because even in a big house, the stairs can be the kiss of death. So I tell you what, you only do it once. So when I was renting quite a small flat in London and I bought you know, fantastic bargain sofa uh, at auction and had it delivered and they couldn't get it through the front door. Well, they got it up the stairs and then they couldn't get it into my flat. It's the turn, isn't it? Well, because yeah. it didn't come apart. No. So again, if you're in an apartment or, you know, got a narrow hallway, if the sofa and the furniture comes to pieces, that's really important. Really, yes. But having done that, the other thing I was thinking about as well is about not having too much in the space, but even when it comes to things like your artwork, I would say, perhaps controversially, I wouldn't have a gallery wall mm. in a small space because it's lots of bitty stuff on the wall. And if you've got lots of small furniture, I think I might go for one big piece of art to hold that space rather than lots of small things. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I'm a maximalist and I love more is more is more. But I, I think if you're trying to create a feeling of more space in a room, overcluttering it is not going to it's achieve not the answer, that. So no. actually being quite minimal and pared back and curated with your styling is the way to go. And also things, I'm sure you're going to say the same thing or I've probably stolen your line, but ha, you're always stealing mine. <laughs> I'm going to say mirrors. Yes, that old favourite. Really crucial. Yeah. And they do make a difference. Now, I, I'm not a fan of too much modern mirror for want of a better word because I think it can make it look a bit like the gym but if you can get that kind of foxed or antique mirror which I have seen there are YouTube tutorials you can do it yourself with white wine vinegar and things if you want to distress so a modern you mirror. Get the back of the mirror to look kind of mottled yeah, and so it's and not giving it. you a fantastic reflection but it looks older and that can just sort of soften the whole mirrored effect whilst bouncing light around and reflecting yeah, and, and making it and feel polished bigger. marble, yeah. even gloss-painted floorboards. Well, gloss-painted ceilings are really good. Mm. I mean, it's a nightmare to paint with, but it does bounce the light up and down. So there are tricks then, you can um, do. In terms of decorating, I've got a few tips. I mean, you can use you can use a little bit of colour theory and choose recessive colours to decorate with. So these I don't are know the, what that means. So these are the cool <laughs> shades like blue, green, lilac... What, they, because they the actually, warm colours bring the walls in and make yeah, it cosy. They, they pull away from the eye. They're called recessive because they pull away from the eye and create a heightened oh, sense of space and depth. Or, you know, I quite like just to go really dark on the walls in a small space because uh, I sometimes think that can make a room feel a bit more cavernous cosy. and have some yeah. depth. And then obviously pop the light around in other ways. And I'm also another one for kind of homogenising with the paint. So we've already talked about this again in the last podcast about painting your doors, skirts, architraves yeah. in the same colour. But even your fitted storage, your fitted wardrobes, your fitted cupboards, paint them in the wall colour and they visually disappear, and which another helps the thing, room look less cluttered. People seem to be talking about as a, as a trend, but actually I think could be quite useful in this, is the handleless kitchen is apparently going to be a thing. Oh, um, man, that's my but, worst nightmare. Well, leaving that aside as a trend thing, it's the idea, again, that if you have your cupboards the same colour as the wall and there's no handle on them, you are creating a smooth line which will make the space feel less cluttered, feel like there's less going on, it will feel calmer. So that actually could be quite a good trick for small space yeah, living. you've got to iron out the clutter and not yeah. have too much decoration in detail. Yeah. Unless you want a very cluttered, nasty look. They're two, you know, two theories, Again, there's they? never yeah. a rule. These are just guidelines. But certainly, I mean, I think the key thing people worry about with small space living is storage. 
isn't it? And that is, you know, you've got to use the walls if you yeah. run out of floor space. So lots of shelves or... They go I all would the way say, up the wall. Exactly. The the wall. There are so many kitchens I see where the wall cupboards stop about a foot from the top. Well, that's just a space for dust or they've put all the appliances up there that they never use. So they sit and collect dust. Mm-hmm. If you build the kitchen wall all the way up to the top and match it to the ceiling, it will all disappear. And you can still put all the junk up there that you don't want to use but it will make the space look cleaner on the outside. And if budget allows, using a joiner or carpenter to help do fitted storage is also a better use of space because bespoke joinery will always eke out every inch of the available space, where if you're getting an off-the-shelf wardrobe or kitchen, in a size, quite yes. often you end up wasting a bit, don't you? Because but, those units only come in certain standard sizes. And I would say, I mean, there's been a, a big fashion in kitchens, hasn't there, for the so-called sort of shaker cupboard which has got panelling on the front. And I know that panelling is is currently being very fashionable on walls in bigger rooms. But if you've got a small house and you've decided that you need to use some space for a wall of wardrobes to store everything, then I would have them completely flat fronted. I think they sometimes just call it slab with no handles because it will effectively look like the wall then Mm. rather than having sort of fussy carving and detailing and handles. Just keep it really simple and flat so that it disappears. So following on from our planner room series, we are now, for me, to be honest, Kate, this is a bit of a fantasy. We're entering the realms of plan the fantasy room, are we? (laughs) Um, I wanted to do dressing rooms because I would absolutely love a dressing room. For me, that's when I've made it. (laughs) When I've got floor to ceiling, you know, shelves of all my fabulous shoes, all backlit. I've got all my outfits hanging, colour-coded, you know, I'm nowhere near living that. In fact, I've got rid of all my high heels recently because I just can't, can't wear, wear them, them anymore. But anyway, this is fantasy dressing rooms and it looks fabulous. I did write a piece for the FT years ago and I interviewed a designer who said that she'd created an amazing sort of walk-in dressing room for one of her clients in West London. And it was, I think it must have been light sensitive or something. So as you approached, the lights would come on. Of course And you they could would. see yeah. your favourite ripped jeans kind of coming towards you and lit up. So it was almost like a sculptural <laughs> sort of design. I mean, it was an incredible thing. Well, people um, really, you know, if you've got the cash... Yeah. You can really throw some money at dressing rooms, can't yeah. you? And I think they can be a real indulgence. I mean, I'm, you know, we can start with the fancy. I know we've both got lots of practical ideas on how we can make it work on a budget too. But I think in terms of, you know, can you actually fit a dressing room in the average family home? What's quite interesting is estate agents are coming forward and saying that actually they add value to your house. And yeah. maybe once before the ensuite was the treat. Now it's like, well, obviously we've got to have the ensuite. Now it's like the thing to seal the deal is going to be a fabulous dressing room. Well, and I think that, you know, they can take up less space than you might previously imagine. We've got quite a big master bedroom, so we just took out part of that bedroom and created a false wall across sort of two-thirds like of one end of it. It's like a partition wall almost, It's like a partition wall, which we put a skirting board around the front of it so it looks like a proper wall, and it's about the depth of a hanger, whatever that is. There'll be a measurement for a hanger. And then a friend of mine who was living in New York, she had a similar thing. And I said to her, you know, how much space do you need? And Cherry said to me, you need to stand with your hands by your sides, your arms by your side, and your hands flipped out like a penguin and walk through. 
And that is how much space you need right, to be able to walk through the minimum and then plus, obviously, the depth of your hanger. You've got hangers in the alcoves and behind the beds. You're hanging most of your clothes. Yes, we have no chests of drawers and I've never been any good at putting things in chests of drawers. I just, I stuff them all in there and I just can't use them properly. So my husband hangs all his T-shirts in his alcove. Colour-coded T-shirts. Well, they're all black, let's be honest. <laughs> um, and I have all my shoes on shelves in the other alcove and then behind the partition wall that's all hanging space the one thing I didn't do and would do now in retrospect is we've got one rail going all the way across and I did that so that I could hang dresses and skirts which I never wear Mm. but it was for the depth thing and actually if I was going to do it again I would have two rails and and have more stuff so you Mm. could have all your trousers I think maybe folded over a hanger all along the bottom and all your tops along the top and you could get twice as many clothes in. No, Yeah, I think you've got to really sit down and plan and look at what sort of clothes you own, how you like to access them. So you like using hangers. I quite like a drawer. I want a shoe drawer. I love the idea of pulling out a a drawer and then just think all my flats or all my pumps all lined out. It is. It's just the room of fantasy, isn't it? When When I researched it for this feature I wrote... The dressing room was like it was that archetypal woman's room, and they used to entertain in them apparently. And they oh, would have joking. visitors would oh, that's come a bit in, step far, um, isn't it? <laughs> and that's where they would sit and write their letters to people. And somebody might come and visit them. So it was absolutely a, a woman's space. So that's taking it one step further. So that's where you might have a spare room or a box room. Yeah. And if you can forego that and turn it into a dressing room, you could have a dressing table in there, like you say, that could also double up as a writing desk for your memoirs or whatever. But it's also somewhere to store jewellery, makeup, imagine just having it all in one place, nicely organised in a space that's been designed specifically for that purpose. But I think it's worth also mentioning how you carve up the room space because the tradition would be people take the biggest bedroom to be the master bedroom. They then just stick a bed in it Mm -hmm. and maybe a couple of wardrobes and then they might think about squeezing a tiny little ensuite into the corner or into the cupboard next door. And actually, I think it makes sense sometimes to flip that on its head because if you, you know, a decent-sized bathroom will always feel luxurious, it will always feel hotel, it will always feel treat. Having somewhere to store your clothes separately means that so you, you don't might have to not look at all your you don't have to look at them the drawers from the bed and that means you don't need so much space for your bedroom because you sort of only need the bed yeah. as it were in it so you know if it's a question of moving internal walls which can be done or putting up walls to partition the space you almost want to think about having the smallest space where your bed goes with nothing else in it apart from your bed and your book and your alarm clock and then see if you can carve out a small area or a passage a bit like I've got for your clothes and then have a bathroom. So just think about using the space laterally. I sometimes find it much easier actually to look at a floor plan, a sort of aerial picture of where the walls are and planning out how you would use the space can be sometimes easier than kind of walking around it and trying to visualise what it was like if that wall wasn't there. And I've seen some really sassy little hacks. So for Oh, there's example, some clever stuff out there. IKEA do their packs range yeah. of wardrobes, which come in lots of different configurations, which help you fit it to your space. And then you can either... 
uphack their doors or put your own doors on. Yeah. Really beautiful handles, yeah. really beautiful door fronts. I mean, if you use a mirror or a gloss, that's going to help bounce the light around yeah. and make your little dressing room feel bigger. But I tell you what, again, going back to Maison and Objet and Paris Deco, Arte, who fantastic wallpaper brand, they were doing this incredible wood veneer wallpaper. I kid you not. Oh, wow. It rolls up like a wallpaper. They found a certain tree that's quite bendy. A bendy tree. Shave shave the wood really And you stick that on your wall. And then when you apply it to joinery, you look like you've got these beautiful marquetry doors for like... So it's like veneer, but at a sort of... So I'd be looking to do really luxy stuff like that or get a really wonderful chinoiserie wallpaper and paper that on the doors of my dressing room. And then, oh, I I feel a gold ceiling coming on. Steady. It's mine. Gilt, gold (laughs) ceiling, you know, stick a chandelier in there. Just make it feel really boudoir-y and over the top, really indulge my passion for doing something. Yeah, that just feels really sexy, really special, really glamorous. It's just having your own space, isn't it? And really? the husband yeah. cannot use his veto on this one because it's all mine. Right, so enough of your fantasy room, Sophie. <laughs> Let's get real here. Have you got a design crime for I us? I have got a design crime for you. I've been thinking about this one. I think black toilets basins are an absolute no-no. Who in their right mind would want to have a black granite basin or a black bath that shows off toothpaste, soap scum? Why are you looking at me like that? I might be going to put a black glue. (laughs) No, you are not. Oh, you are so not. It's white on the inside. Oh. I've got a cream basin. I've got a cream you... barbican basin, which is a design classic. <laughs> oh although cream might be more of a design crime. No, it's very on trend. Cream, but it's, you know, and it What's doesn't go you... with the white loo. So I need no. a coloured loo. Okay. No, I, I, yes. No, okay. I can see that you couldn't have a white loo with a cream basin. Right. That's not working at I'm all. I'm finding that tricky. Yeah, you're finding that tricky. So you're going for a black toilet. Where do you even get one from? Oh, you can buy them all over now. Coloured suites, coloured bathroom suites. Well, this is why back. I brought it up as a design client because I've heard this rumour that yes. coloured bathroom suites. And you know me, I'm all about the colour. You know, yeah. I really am. But I sometimes think you've got to be practical and having dark coloured black, navy, I don't know, forest green. The I one know, I, just, you can get green. The one I was looking at is white on the inside. But interestingly, talking about coloured bathroom suites, I do that feature on the blog, the pick of the property market every week. Right. And there was a bathroom that came up a few months ago, which was an exposed brick wall, which is quite a nice pinky mm. colour and white tiled floor and black taps on a pink basin. Looked great. Oh, no, it looked amazing. I love the And we're not of... talking avocado again, although we will be, but clearly. A, but I guess it's like a pale pink. I think you yeah. get away with that. It's just that very dark sanitary wear where you yeah. just see, you know what I mean? Like the husband's just shaved and it's just like this horrible frothy scum around a black granite basin or a black but, but the frothy scum is still there whether you can see it or not <laughs> just because it's white but underneath your frothy scum it. I don't want to see it I just think ooh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies so just to continue tormenting you Kate you know I really and the thing I probably love about design crimes the most is the amount of flack you get <laughs> I found a couple in the last week of absolute peachy Instagram accounts. One is called Please Hate These Things. That's <laughs> got I an saw- astonishing 140,000 followers last time I looked. 
And it's basically just an Instagram feed full of interior design crimes. But it's also the captions, which are just <laughs> fabulous. It's worth following that one. I, I actually found that through Erica Davis. She'd found it and she was just laughing out loud. And then the other Instagram page that I really wanted to share, which is a lot more of a new feed that's just popped up, which is called Huns at Home. And uh, it's kind of making quite a giggle at all the sort of typography artwork. <laughs> that uh, you particularly... It's quite special. ...displeases you. Yeah, they've been talking to me quite a lot, funnily enough. Yeah, well, they found a friend, (laughs) haven't they? But again, it's just, it's so lovely. Always remember you are braver than you think, stronger than you seem, and loved more than you know, and on and on it goes. So there you have it for this episode. And just to remind you what we've covered, we talked about upcoming trends at the trade show Maison en Objet in Paris. So lots of warm colours and curves, but chiefly the re-emergence of Memphis design and much brighter colours. We spoke about small space living and my top fact of the day is that fitted storage is 30% more space efficient than freestanding. Uh, Whose top fact, Kate? Look, see how you work? You literally already <laughs> nicked it off me. It's a good fact. I, I liked it. Five minutes ago. <laughs> Our top fact of the day, brought to you by Sophie, is that... Not that I'm precious. No, not at all. And from precious Sophie to her dressing room of dreams... <laughs> We all talked about how we'd love a dressing room, but in fact, you don't actually have to live in a footballer's mansion to have space for one. Talked about thinking about whether you can carve out a corner of the room to store your clothes and make that really work for you. And of course, those priceless pearls of wisdom will be on our blogs too, plus loads of links and images. So go check them out. I'm sophierobinson.co.uk and she's madaboutthehouse.com. And we have some news. For our next episode, we're going on the road and we will be recording in front of an audience of lovely listeners in, wait for it, Dublin. So, so looking forward to that. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. We're going to be planning out dining rooms and I will be covering my favourite topic how to shop for cushions. Yes, might be quite a long episode, that one. So uh, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. And finally, a huge thank you to DFS for sponsoring the podcast. Thank you also to Kate Taylor, our producer, and to you, as ever, for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors. Bye. Bye.